I'm Maddie. And I am Ryan. Welcome to the Mutant Ages, a TV show, actually a <laughs> podcast, where we review every X-Men adaptation of the X-Men. Oh my God, my dog is dropping things behind me. <laughs> She's picking them up. She's putting them down. We can you are... hear that? <laughs> I can, actually. It sounds like she's like very carefully picking things up and putting them down. She's actually here. lifting up her bone. It's really big. She's lifting up her bone, dropping it, picking it up again, dropping it. Now she has it on her pillow. So mm-hmm. hopefully she chills out with it. Lyra wants some attention, but she has to wait because we have to talk about one of the more bonkers episodes of x-men evolution that we've seen which is sins of the sun it is pretty crazy it is wild back when we were young we experienced a change we felt a power grow in us both wonderful and strange the power to care about the x-men and the mutant brotherhood all of their dark as fuck don't worry everybody it is but it's very like m night Shyamalan, like fight club like twisty twist you know what i mean like oh my god i wrote down fight club for this too yeah, yeah it's twisty it's really twisty maddie like a tornado twisty it's twisty it's got a mutant twist and it's got multiple personalities which I guess, I mean, there was a whole time period in the early 2000s when that was like just a fun theoretical framework for a plot line to have. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's kind of fallen out of fashion. Okay, well, we'll just go ahead and say that this episode is about Legion, who did get his own TV show that was about that thing that you just described. Kinda. I feel like the Legion TV show was... It was better, though. A lot more careful about how it wanted to go about portraying the idea of a mutant who also had a mental illness and their mutation was related to how their brain worked and how scary that would be and this episode is a little bit more like campy horror when it comes to how it portrays this i mean and it's 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 fine i don't know i mean it's when i when you say it's dark i i don't know that it's dark in the same way that like mystique dying oh you know what i mean like it's it's a little bit more campy i think it's a little dark in the sense that xavier's and gabrielle's bullshit created this child that had a lot of ptsd Right. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I I suppose I'm supposed to blame Gabrielle for that as well. I guess. But it's hard to because we don't really see what she did wrong, but we do really see what Xavier did wrong. There. Okay. By the way, there's no previously on the X Men for this because it's like it is completely. It's kind of standalone in a way. It's like, hey, guess what? Xavier had a kid all along. He didn't know. We didn't know. 
it's just like surprise at the beginning of the episode like there isn't they don't even show you it previously on the x-men it's just like surprise xavier has a kid also like where was this gonna go because we never found out this is again one of the questions that we would have to ask the creators of the show to be like yo what was up with that legion thing you started i mean he rockets off into the sky and we never see him again it's kind of wild too because they've already introduced apocalypse so it's like we really don't need another entire villain I don't know why they are introducing that here like at all it's I don't oh, know why this episode whoa. exists <laughs> like, wait how cool would have it been if like the end of season four the proper one would have been like Legion versus Apocalypse I could kind of see that he's powerful enough and also like with Wanda in the mix helping out maybe I could see it but I mean at the end of this episode Legion does not want to work with the X-Men at all no. he's not interested no. in that um but we'll get there when we get there first. We'll get there. We got to talk about Legion. Um, I mean, are we just going to skip previously on the X-Men? I guess, I guess we can. I, I mean, mean, there's really nothing we can say. I mean, there's been no previous on the X-Men that has really took a deep dive into Xavier's past before, other than that him and Magneto are ex-boyfriends, which we have not seen on this show. We've just talked about not it. Not really. Right? We haven't seen much of much flashbacks to Xavier's previous life. I feel like I keep getting mixed up with X-Men TAS because we saw so many flashbacks on that show. Which is and- funny because in X-Men TAS, I think it was like episode two or three, where they showed that flashback to Magneto and Xavier working in that doctor's office, mm-hmm. I don't know, 60 years ago. I, no, I think it might have been like the Vietnam War. Who knows? Right? I'd have to go back and check. I mean, that's the time period that Gabrielle is from. Is Right. And, it, and I feel like they did show on TAS. He doesn't meet Gabrielle, but he meets like a bunch of other women on that show who are all redheads and dates them. Like he meets that nurse character whose name I'm forgetting. Oh, you're talking and about Moira, of course. You're talking about Fog Lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Fog Lady. Yeah. <laughs> we all remember her. That then went off to do science with Moira McTaggart. Yeah. I mean, it it was kind of funny to me, by the way, that they designed Gabrielle to be a redhead for this show. Because she in the comics, she has black hair. But for this, they're like, Xavier loves redheads. We got to just make her a redhead. Like, what, what are we doing here? Xavier's like... I love all redheads, especially if there are students and their name is Jean Grey. But so Logan is the same way. It's like which early X-Men writer was really into redheads? Because it's like across <laughs> multiple characters. You know what I mean? Like, who was it? Is this do we have Chris Claremont I mean, to blame for that? I, look, I don't blame anybody here. Redheads are hot. I'm not disagreeing. I'm just pointing out a common trajectory with the male characters. I don't know. I mean, like, it's hard to say if it was Chris Claremont or not, because I, during the time that he was writing for the X-Men, he was also hanging out at BDSM and gay bar just for fun mm-hmm. like just like as in like that was his culture that man <laughs> yeah he was also making a lot of x-men queer i mean i'm not i'm not saying any of this is a bad thing i'm just saying that various people's personal fetishes ended up on the page in x-men comics <laughs> yeah that's what um, i'm getting at and too. that is one of the aspects here so i guess we'll just leap right into summarizing the episode because why not it's it's completely standalone we don't have anything else so so cue to all of us in high school all of us (laughs) yeah all of us if only we had a cool abandoned castle to hang out in like this is awesome i'm surprised we didn't go and hang out at a warehouse somewhere we never really did that although did you ever we hung out (gasps) in the woods a lot did you ever hang out at the abandoned train did you ever go there no do you even know what i'm talking about no i didn't hang out at an abandoned train sounds awesome though oh my god no it was like one of her friends was like oh we have to go to the abandoned train and we parked at some grocery store parking lot and like 
wandered into the woods at 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. And there was like an abandoned train that you could just like go and hang out in. Cool. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised there weren't any homeless people living in there, like trying to sleep at that time. But apparently not. Maybe they were. And they, they heard us and they laughed. They're like, those <laughs> yeah. fucking goth kids are back. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Or maybe they just don't bother going there because they're like, this is a cool hangout for teenagers. We can't sleep here. We need to fight somewhere else. <laughs> um, anyway, that is sort of the equivalent of what's being depicted here. But it, we're in the UK. I don't I don't actually know what country, and I don't think they ever spe- specify. It's maybe Scotland based on the bad accents, but I'm not totally sure. Are we in Scotland? Well, I say that because Lucas has an accent. Right. And so do all the characters in this scene. But also, like, we know that David Haller in the comic books does also. Right. Although I'm trying to remember if Gabrielle does or not. I don't think she does. It's not consistent. Don't worry about it. It's not because and we also watched Legion what six years ago and in that they all were just American right. and I, I mean it's it's fine I mean this is a completely different show like with its own canon so they could have decided not to have these characters be from anywhere right because Lu- Lucas and Ian are not in the comic books right of course so anyway I mean people don't even know what we're talking about with those characters <laughs> yet but anyway um, I don't know what I'm talking about so there's this this huge castle but it it has been sort of dilapidated over time so it's not like you could like really live there anymore there's no electricity there it's like all the walls are falling down so it's a perfect hangout spot for a bunch of uh, Scottish teenagers and goths who are you know brought their boombox there and they're having like a party and there's this one guy who seems to be like the cool cat of the crew and his name is Lucas and he's wearing like a white button up shirt with a vest which I feel like should tell you everything you need to know about what kind of person he is he has a soul patch as well and also like what time period it was also i have to point out that i'm now looking at his wikipedia page and there is a lucas personality for okay so there you go except that that personality can channel sound into energy blasts i think maybe lucas can do that too because he has the ability to like like sort of you know push people away telekinetically and he does say he was a punk racker there is no ian though that i can find right so that's fine i mean i i think ian just sort of represents like the childhood traumas that david holler experienced and I he's agree. kind of a catch-all for that or at least that was how i interpreted it i guess we're just gonna like go ahead and spoil yeah, it we may and as say well that- because it's very confusing otherwise so david holler is legion who is xavier's child son and he has the ability to manipulate the world around him sort of like Wanda does but he's also usually depicted as a mentally ill uh character who that impacts what he creates and sometimes he creates things unknowingly and then they haunt him and he's as surprised by them as as everyone else is including entire other beings and people right and i think that his powers actually i don't think it's that he can change reality around him i know that eventually he can depending on what personality is managing his body but well i would say he can because lucas is a fully formed independent person so he has manifested there, yeah, something but they all well, are. that's what i'm saying that that to me is changing reality you know what i'm saying i'm not gonna get into this right now <laughs> because i feel like this is something that our listeners can go and read on wikipedia sure. themselves but if you go on there it lists all the personalities which there's like a hundred mm-hmm. of and each one has a different power set assigned to right. it. right but on this show each of the personalities is 
distinct from each other and isn't necessarily well lucas seems to be aware of what the other two are doing but david doesn't seem to be and we that we of course it's only 23 minutes so we only find out so much about how it works according to this show but as far as we know um lucas is the all-powerful one i just have to interrupt you because i'm reading some of these and one of them is named chronodon (laughs) and it's it's david when he turns into a dinosaur with a clock on its face oh my god that sounds great (laughs) there's also another one called clown a surly looking clown that can blast energy from his mouth honestly that's pretty terrifying it is (laughs) it is i feel like the fact that there's multiple uh beings that can blast energy is is maybe sort of a sign of the kinds of powers that david's interested in but Regardless, we haven't met David Haller yet. We have We don't know who Lucas is. We are simply in this place where we see this character, Lucas, who's wearing his little vest. He's got his little like studded bracelet, studded necklace, and he's he's got a soul patch. Flashback to Maddie's birthday party that was a pirate birthday party when she was 16. Sure. He's he's all decked out perfectly for my my 16-year-old birthday party where we all dressed as pirates, aka we just like wore corsets and vests and thought that was enough. <laughs> um so he at least so far, he seems kind of cool. Like he's he's blonde, by the way. All of David's little characters in this are blonde, which I think kind of helps tie them together. Right. Oh, also, I wrote down that he looks like David Bowie as the Goblin King. I feel like that's another oh, good way to kind of think about him. That is a really him. great example. And it's also kind of how he acts, like as a character. Yes. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the vibes he's giving that off. That is one hundred percent the energy. I was trying to figure yep. it out when I was watching it, and you nailed it on the head. Yeah. So he is walking around this castle just bringing full Goblin King energy, but like weirder and more threatening. And I know the Goblin King is supposed to be threatening, but he's like more sexy than threatening. Lucas is more threatening than sexy, I would say. Yeah, he's like not doing dance magic dance here. So no, 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 no. He's he's not stealing a baby. He's murdering a baby in cold blood and making everybody enjoy it because he has that power. Um, So everywhere he right. goes, people are obsessed with him at this party they're like hey lucas what's up what's going on what are you doing next the opening scene is him walking through the castle and a girl's like hey lucas you want to meet up and fuck, fuck later? later and, and he's, he's like, like no and she's like he's, well he's like he's like yeah maybe a little bit later and then he walks into another room and some d- guy is like hey lucas two guys we both want to fuck you and i was like and he's like yeah. yeah and the other guy calls him a genius like they all of these people are obsessed with him and like worshiping the ground he walks on it's like what is going on here yeah and then when we see him by himself he floats into a room so we're like oh he's also a mutant and he can like fly a little bit and then we see him talking right. basically to the camera. We don't we don't see to whom. And he has a shitty flip phone. And he's like, hello, David, having a nice night. You know, Dave, if you're really willing to end this, there's only one way. Call him. And then we get the intro sequence. And then when we come well, back. First, first before that, Xavier's in his bed before the intro sequence. And the phone rings. Oh, oh, does he pick up the phone first? Okay, yeah, cool. So and he's like, he hears the kid. He hears David go, please please i need your help father and xavier like <laughs> drops the phone shocked he's like what if i fuck girls they can get pregnant yeah, he had no idea he had a kid and i feel like they spend too long on that like they this episode spends a very long time on xavier being like i well, didn't it's know because they're trying to they're trying to make us sympathize with xavier but like it didn't work the reasoning that gabrielle gives us is like mm, i don't know it kind of seems like she had reason to keep him away from you also i feel like i don't disagree agree with her reasoning so we get her reasoning immediately after the intro um which is xavier on the x jet with storm flying and he's like on his way to see gabriel immediately because he's so pissed off about the situation uh, yeah he's like freaking out he's like xavier's like 
on the phone. He's like, Gabrielle, I never go into people's minds without their permission, especially a son. I wasn't even where I had, you bitch. And Scott's in yeah. the background. And he's like, oh my God, Professor had a wife. <laughs> and Aurora's, Aurora turns around. And she's like, how about you two like shut the fuck up? and call the mansion yeah that's that whole scene yeah (laughs) it i mean it is kind of interesting to me though that xavier isn't aware that he has a son who's so powerful because he's constantly using cerebro to detect powerful mutants right that is the argument that david makes repeatedly in this episode i agree with him though he must have known it just feels like a plot hole because i don't actually think we're supposed to no. think this i think we're supposed to be on xavier's side but it, it is unrealistic that he does hasn't discovered david every single time there's a new mutant using their powers xavier's on cerebro and he like calls up storm and he's like i've sensed another mutant doing something and like david's using his powers all the time i mean i guess unless david which i would believe this david's powers were is so strong and in his control that he could block cerebro i would believe that well that's what i'm that's what i'm saying i feel like they should have come up with an explanation where xavier's like you know periodically i would sense surges of power from scotland but it was so hard to track and it was constantly changing shapes or something like that would foreshadow what his powers are. And like, I would have been fine with that. But instead, they just don't give us any explanation whatsoever as to why he was unable to detect David Pryor. Yeah, I guess. But like, again, David screams that and Lucas, they both scream that repeatedly. Yeah, they're both. Well, they're both part of their trauma is that they feel abandoned by their famous mutant father who's constantly on TV. I mean, like, I don't know if they know who he, I, right. I mean, I think they do know who he is because David calls him on the phone and is like, this is me finally reaching out to you because you've never fucking called me. Like, right. that's tragic. Like, damn, you know? And the reason why David's right. doing that is because he's been kidnapped by one of his other personalities. Although as far as he can tell, it's just he's been kidnapped by some guy. But I also feel like that's I feel like it could be a really good plot if it was done well I wouldn't I wouldn't even say I this mean, is there's parts of this that I think are pretty good but yeah I mean it is confusing I don't think this is a bad episode but I think this would be like if they ever tried to tackle this again for the MCU if they could if they went a really dark route kind of like how they did on Legion but Legion was more like sci-fi spooky dookie well that's part of why I'm not sure they would do it again because like Legion the show exists and I feel like Legion the show is the example of how you would do this well well i was gonna say legion the show could it's one of those few instances if they wanted to carry something over from the fox universe into the mcu they could do that because that show ends with like fucking david erasing the entire world and being in a different mm-hmm. world he's like what happened and like he could just be in the mcu like you know yeah, i could see them keeping that actor i but anyway storm actually tells uh scott and gene to check on kitty And we're like, oh, what's wrong with Kitty? Which introduces the most absurd B-plot ever to try to balance out the freaking Goblin King situation. Well, before we even get that, we have the new mutants going to school, which is like, (laughs) I just want to point it out only because Beast is like handing out the backpacks. And the only reason I want to point it out is that I was watching this. I'm like, man, for a blue fur, like a big furry bear guy, like they really animated be super hot here where he's kind of like arching his eyebrows at the camera he's wearing a tight shirt he looks <laughs> jacked as fuck yeah beast has like, been working out beast. he's he's out on yeah. the dating scene right um so we get to see jamie and we get to see i think it's magma who's holding the blow dryer she looks so different here that i like didn't even recognize her as a character well, that's because her hair was like wet and she was like i refuse to go to school with wet hair 
And Hank's like, you can dry it on the go. And and yeah. like Ray uses his powers to like power the blow dryer as they're walking to school, which is very this is silly. the second time that really showed me and reminded me that it was actually a little insane that they they like completely aside from magma got rid of all the female new mutants like boom booms out of the picture yeah. and and will spain and jubilee like what the hell yeah it is kind of <laughs> weird it's like they just sort of decided that sam bobby and bray were the characters that they wanted to have and sunspot yeah and well he barely talks though i know i don't really understand what's happening here anyway so the phone rings and i wrote is it sage is sage calling <laughs> it's not sage it's scott and gene on the x jet and they're checking in on kitty and beast is like well actually kurt is sick too and we learned that the two of them are sick with the flu so this is just a comedy bit that lasts for the entirety of the episode and it's i mean we can recap it but i just so the listener knows it's not important at all their their version of the flu by the way is kind of like the common cold of course yeah i mean it, well i guess maybe they have the I, don't they say flu at some point i don't know they do no they said the flu and i every single time i've seen it i'm like i kind of feel like no flu is this mild yeah yeah it's like just everyone's comedically sneezing all the time so when right. Kurt sneezes, he involuntarily will teleport somewhere else. So there's like this shot of Beast opening the door to check on Kurt and he like rolls over and then sneezes and like bamps around the room like 60 separate times. And Beast just kind of laughs gently and is like, this seems fine and like shuts the door <laughs> and doesn't question it. And then goes to Kitty's room and she like complains that she feels terrible and is like constantly blowing her nose. And Beast is like, just go to sleep. And she's like, great idea. But whenever I close my eyes, I have this nightmare that I'm at school in my pajamas, which I didn't realize was foreshadowing. And I just thought was a silly line that she was saying, like, why would you have that dream? No, it was going to become like a whole plot point. Yeah, well... Plot point is generous, but yeah, it is going to be in the episode. I think it's funny, like, that's the nightmare Kitty's having. Yeah. She's like, not that she's going to naked. school and people are trying to harass well, her. Or that. I feel like the common one is that you're somewhere and you're naked suddenly. And then you're like, oh, shit. Like, that's the classic dream. But they can't do that because it's a kid's show. Mostly my dreams involve, like, anything that's actually, like, a recurring nightmare it's only if like there's wasps in it and they uh, they just come and attack me every time i get i have those dreams like three times it's a week it's awful wild that that is the thing that your brain has decided is the scariest possible thing <laughs> it's so random it's like okay i mean there's so many other things that have happened in my life there's so that many could... other like scary things too like there's other like scary stuff in the world like you could be worried about getting attacked by a gorilla three times a week but instead you know i don't i did have a dream once that freddy krueger showed up and he was in the dream he's like i'm gonna kill you and i was like actually i know your deal dude and you don't scare me he's like what <laughs> and then it's like and then we like out. teamed up and like just hung yeah. out like i'm not even kidding I, like, that, that's the that kind sounds of shit completely true see freddie should have brought the wasps i i'm sorry that we're having this conversation because <laughs> now that's gonna happen anyway so xavier back on the x jet xavier hangs up the phone and he overheard um scott talking about him behind his back and he turns around to the teenagers and he's like, all right, listen. He's like, oh, fine. I know you guys think I'm gay and I largely am. But there was this one time with this woman, Gabrielle Haller. We were married. I thought it was funny that they made them married, by the way. Yeah, it's funny. Like, okay. what? You you can't have sex and have a child without being married. That's I, exactly why they did that. Because we know that they did not get married in the comic books. I know. It's funny. Um, also, of course, this is during the time that him and Magneto were like all over dating? each other. So like the idea that like he fucked a girl and then also it was just like fucking magneto the entire time is great i know it's funny so apparently somehow he he put it in gabrielle at least once and they had a son that he knew nothing of 
And uh, that son has been kidnapped, apparently. And then we see a shot of David Haller and he's in a like creepy sex dungeon in this castle and he's looking terrified. So we're like, wow, okay, that creepy Lucas guy put him in a dungeon. That's terrible. The weird sex dungeon shit's just going to get weirder as it goes along. There's so many sex dungeons. Like Lucas has a lot of uh, whips and chains in the basement. So the X-Jet lands at Gabrielle's house mansion. She also lives in a mansion. So she didn't need Xavier's money. So that sort of explains that. Right. So she answers the door and she's like, hi, Charles. And he immediately interrupts her and rolls into the house without waiting to be invited at all, which like that tells you everything you need to know about Xavier. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like she's like Charles and he she just rolls in the house, pushes her out of the way. He's like, have you heard from the police? Are there any new developments? And he just like wheels on in. And she's like, no. And then Storm like actually introduces herself and she's like, hey, I'm Aurora Monroe. These are Gene and Scott. And we work with the professor and like pauses really awkwardly. And then she's like, don't worry, we'll find your son. Yeah. And then Xavier rolls back and he's like, I'm going to need a complete list of David's friends and all the places he's ever been in his life. And his daily schedule. Like, <laughs> and Gabriel's like, okay, we just moved here, you asshole. Yeah. So he doesn't have any friends yet. He hardly left home. And Xavier's just like, you're a bitch. Like, <laughs> you know, stuff like this makes me wonder, like, are we supposed to sympathize with Xavier in this scene? Because he really is acting like a dick. Like, I, <laughs> I mean, okay, the way I read this scene, and this is why I stick to the idea that Xavier is not somebody I'm supposed to sympathize with is that he shows up because Gabriel calls him like as a last resort and he shows up and she tries talking to him immediately. And what he does is push her aside. Yes. Goes into her home without her permission and starts demanding things from her. Tells her what to do. Takes over the entire search. And I'm like, is this what the relationship was like? Was him just being like that the whole time? Like, I think so. I think so. I am not a fan. I'm not a fan of it at all. The way he treats her top to bottom in this episode, not cool. Is awful. Yeah. Awful. I warned you. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, I already hate the guy. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, you're like, I didn't need to be convinced. Uh, so now we're going to cut to David trying to leap out of his cell. He's like doing some Tomb Raider shit. He and is. Tricks. He does manage to leap out. So there's like some bars on sort of a trap door at the ceiling of his cell. So he manages to leap up there. I don't know how and like push that grate upwards. Just like three back. Yeah. Flips. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So then he walks down the hallway. Um, He's not being guarded by anybody and eventually hears music and he sees all the punk rockers and he sort of walks around looking bewildered but then everybody else in the crowd starts staring at him and surrounding him and like slowly following him and then all in a crowd following him and they like run him into a dead end which is like over a huge cliff and we don't see what happens right this is the very fight club situation yeah because i think i think these kids know i think they know that david and lucas are the same person and there's like this whole don't tell david that he's lucas situation going on yeah something like that it's i like that it's never explained and instead this scene is just really creepy it's just like a series of shots of every kid starting to look at david and then he just starts panicking. It's, I don't know, it's well done. Oh, he does. I liked it. It was weird. Okay, I also I also made a note here that says, how is Boo Boom not at this party? <laughs> because luckily, <laughs> she would not be brainwashed by Lucas, is like the real answer to that question. She would see through that so. shit, I guess. I don't know. But it would be funny if she was just in the background, like, yeah, uh, yeah I'm just here for the, the free drinks. Well, also, this is Scotland or some shit, so she couldn't technically be there. That's but. true, that's true. But I, I felt like it was totally her vibe. It anyway, does. let's go back to Xavier being 
awful. Okay, so this is um, Gabrielle and Xavier having a little fight. So it sort of starts in the middle of Xavier talking where he's saying, um, you were keeping my son from me. Surely you could have found some other way to punish me. Jesus which Christ. Which is an absurdly aggressive way to put this. It is. And Gabrielle's response saying, it wasn't about hurting you, Charles. I just didn't want David growing up with a father who was a complete asshole. Okay, who she technically says who didn't have time for him, which we've already seen in the past several episodes. Xavier doesn't have time for the kids he's adopted, like at all. Like he's not taking care of them. They are raising themselves like on this show. Xavier doesn't have time. And like Gab- right. Gabrielle saw that about him and was like, this guy just doesn't want to be a father. He's not engaged at all. And Xavier just goes, well, I guess nothing's changed. You always did blame everything on my study of mutants, which, which like, was okay, like, dude, like, don't don't <laughs> like this is like the equivalent of like playing like the race card, like the mutant bigotry card where oh it's like, God, dude, I, I don't think this was mutant phobia. I think this was just her seeing that you were a dick and being like, this guy is a bad father. But then he follows it up with being like, I bet that's what you told David, isn't it, you bitch? Yeah. And it's like... And she's like, no, he doesn't know anything about you, which is a lie. Somehow he figured out who his dad is because he called him somehow. Right. Well, she she isn't lying. I think she said she hadn't told anything about him, but obviously he had figured it out without her telling him. Right. I mean, or at least that's what we're meant to surmise is like, we don't know how he found out, but she says, and as far as we know, you're right. We may as well trust her. She didn't tell him any of this information, but kids are pretty resourceful. Like they can find things out if they want to. Well, yeah. And Gabrielle also says that she only told him that Xavier had abandoned them. Right. Which that is technically lying in a way. Cause it's like not Xavier didn't know the kid existed. So, well, but, 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 yeah, also, but also what was like, the circumstances of the breakup? Did he b- abandon Gabrielle? That could be accurate. Well, that's what I mean. And it's also sort of like, we don't know what happened and we're supposed to sort of sympathize with Xavier here, but everything that Gabrielle s- says to me reads as somebody who was once in an abusive relationship with somebody. Yeah. And doesn't want to reach back out that then also had a child and like, yes. And like, why would you want to tell someone like Xavier about your child, especially if they're a mutant? Admittedly, she doesn't yet know that her child is a mutant at this time. Well, she doesn't. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't seem to be what she's worried about. Right. And she does also say here, perhaps I was wrong, which like, I don't actually think she was wrong for what it's worth, but like she is being like relatively open-minded towards Xavier here and he's just being totally closed off. Well, Xavier's always like that. So then outside standing in the yard, (laughs) Lucas is here. (laughs) Lucas looking at Jean through a window. I will. First he's looking at Gabrielle and Xavier and then he looks up and he's like, Oh, hello. And he like takes out his dick and starts stroking it. It's creepy. It's creepy. It's creepy. It is a lot. But like in the way that he treats Gene throughout this episode is pretty terrible. Well, I mean, I don't think we're supposed to like it. I think we're supposed to find him to be terrifying. And he is. So Gene is inside Lucas slash David's room right now. And she and Scott are going through all of his stuff looking for clues. And Scott is the one sort of like, this is weird. I I would never <laughs> remind me never to disappear. I don't want strangers going through my stuff like this. And Jean's like, why? You got something to hide? Which is like a funny line that never gets followed up on. But by the way, Scott is hiding the fact that he's sleeping with Kurt. Anyway, Jean gasps because she sees a little boy like standing in the doorway. And when I say little boy, this is like um, a 10 year old or something. Yeah, I was going to say he was like eight years old. I don't know. He's a little kid. He's not he's not even like Jamie's Jamie Madrix's age or whatever. He's like younger. So then he starts running running away down the hallway and Jean runs after him and she's like wait what's your name who are you and then Gabrielle walks up to them and she's like oh that's Ian David found him living on the street he's been with us ever since 
And Scott is like, has he ever said anything about David and like his disappearance? And Gabrielle's like, no, but Ian doesn't talk. As far as I can tell, he doesn't know anything, though. I also thought I thought this was a strange plot beat. Because yeah, here's very my, strange. Here's my thing with it. Number one, why I have two things. One, Gabrielle brought a child into her house, but didn't report it. Yeah, I thought that was a little weird. Or like tell them when they arrived. Like, by the way, I also adopted another kid. Like, unless unless this is recent as of an a couple days ago but it sounds like it's been going on longer number two she says that david brought the kid in there but the kid is also david and so they can't be in the same place at the same time well but maybe they can you know what i mean i mean we never see them in the same place at the same time but right but it's supposed to be his person this is the personality ruling his body at the time but is it because I don't know if that's how it works on this show. Well, sure. He's, he might be able to like project this other entire being. But given what happens later when they show him shift between the three characters, it makes us see. Well, that, yes, he apparently can also do. But maybe he's capable of projecting somebody who appears to be standing right next to him. I'm just I'm just going to point out that we don't see any of them on the same screen at the same time. So that's why I'm like, it doesn't make sense. I know. I know. There are some things about this episode that are like not super thought out no. um and ian is one of them i feel like it would make more sense if david hadn't found him and if gabrielle had found him and had been like i just thought it would be a chance to do something right for somebody like david doesn't really talk to me anymore like they could have like introduced some other complexity here but they just don't really do that right so anyway this little boy is running around and gene is like well i'm a telepath so maybe i can get some answers out of this kid who doesn't speak right which kind of a creepy thing to say to gabrielle but I, gabrielle's like oh i just used to that from when xavier used to do it to me all the time in our relationship <laughs> i guess she must be like i feel like gene was kind of like speaking out of the school of xavier which is where she attends by being like oh i'll just read his mind like without right. having any way to ask him because he can't consent so it's like what okay so gene's like running outside after ian she sees ian run into the bushes and then She's entrapped in fire, Phoenix style. This is like, like a wall of fire. Yeah. Can you believe the amount of times in this season alone that they like have Jean surrounded by fire? And I'm like, okay, we get it. The Phoenix is coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we, then it didn't get to come. And then Lucas walks over and looks at her. And then she goes, oh. <laughs> and passes out. Yeah. X-Men TAS style. She passes out screaming on the ground like a Disney princess. And he. Yeah, I wrote that too. He looks down at her like the Goblin King, basically. Like he's like leering down at her. He also looks down at her like he's like, great. Now that she's passed out, I'm going to fuck her. And I'm like, dude, this is really creepy. And I'm not here for it this. It does seem sexually predatory. It does. Because when she wakes up later, she has her arms and ankles handcuffed. I mean, I, I would go ahead and say this entire episode has a lot of metaphors about trauma and abuse and those things in relationships like mm-hmm. that seems pretty obvious because these are the personalities that david is manifesting well that's part of what's interesting about it i mean i don't necessarily feel like the episode is delving that deep into it but you can kind of take it as like he sort of sees this relationship with his parents or hears about it or draws his own conclusions right. and then these are the kinds of damaging relationships that he is acting out as well like in his own head and we don't we don't know what his childhood was like we know that gabrielle took care of him but we don't know what other men had been in her life that may have dated gabrielle and then been shitty towards david growing up we don't know any of that information yeah i mean the fact that one of his personalities is a young child i feel like is i mean again if this were a deeper episode and they were like actually delving into how this happened right but i think and i think that's on the point too where yeah but it is it is pretty you know it's pretty common for people who have trauma for it to like 
you know, manifest as as sort of like a specific memory to the time when it happened. And you sort of right. feel like you're back in that place mentally, you know? So it's like, oh, if something happens to you when you're a child, you... We also have to go ahead and assume that Ian is not what David looked like as a kid. Because wouldn't Gabrielle be like, why is there a child that looks exactly like David when she was five running around? Well, of so. course. And, and I guess it's also worth noting, Lucas doesn't look like David either. He is blonde, but right. his face is totally different. So, like, clearly David is capable oh, yeah. of disguising his face when he's manifesting these other versions of himself. But they are still him on some level. You know what I mean? So, this, I mean, this episode really has opened up a whole lot of questions. <laughs> it it <laughs> like, has, and yet it doesn't answer any of them. And, of course, it never will. Anyway, let's get back to Kitty sneezing because, sure. Oh, my God. She sneezes so hard that the birds fly away. And then she's like, I'm out of tissues. And so then Kitty goes to check on Kurt, who's teleported underneath the bed from sneezing. Mm -hmm. And she grabs him being like, what are you doing under there? Like, you probably don't need to be underneath the bed. And then suddenly he teleports with her holding on to him, which means she gets to teleport with him. And they're outside of Bayville High. And Kitty's like, oh, no. This is not happening. I'm in my pajamas outside of the school. This is the worst thing that could ever happen to me at this school. Okay, Kitty. Yep. Then he teleports again, and suddenly they're on the desk in the classroom, and like everyone's like giggling and at like them. staring at them and laughing. And it's like, wouldn't you be terrified? Like, wouldn't you be screaming because like two people just like appeared suddenly in front of you? I don't know. Anyway. I don't really understand what the deal with the children are in Bayville High. It's just supposed to be comedy and then Kurt bamps them onto like a New York street where like a car drives by and like splashes a huge mud puddle all over them and it's like Okay, like they're bamfing all around and going to absurd locations in their pajamas. I mean, this this side story is pretty bonkers and absurd. However, I completely buy it in terms of the characterization of Kitty and Kurt from the comic books. Like I could see this being something that would happen to them in Marvel comics. Sure, and I, I think as far as like a lighthearted break from how intense the rest of the episode is, it works fine. Like I, I think I said to you right. in DM, it reminds me of the episode where Kitty was baking the muffins and they were like really terrible. Yeah. And it's like it has nothing to do with anything. Like there's no reason. What was reason. that episode even in? Like wasn't that in another dark episode? I don't know. It was another dark episode though, where it was like, why is Kitty making muffins? I I feel like it may have been like Beast losing his mind and like changing into like Jekyll and Hyde. I feel like it was that episode. It might have been. I don't remember. It was something but like that. What's interesting is they go from this comedy beat and like suddenly the shot just changes to Jean wrapped up in bondage. Like that is the next shot. Yeah. She's like bound down, cuffed and shit. But in front of everyone. Like she isn't in a dungeon. There's like random people looking at her it's so weird right and lucas is one of them i think okay i thought she removed everything telekinetically but apparently it wasn't it's david yeah well i mean sorry lucas so so she's sort of glaring at these two guys who are just staring at her while she sleeps because it's an x-men show Yeah, but this is also the first time that like people were staring at somebody sleeping in a really gross kind of way Mm -hmm. it's definitely like what is happening i mean it's scary it's a scary thing there's definitely like i the very it's something very rapey about this whole oh yeah i mean part of the tv show i mean i hate to even draw the comparison because we hate this episode but it did remind me of the episode very early on where fred kidnaps gene i know that was the same thing although this is a little bit different because they're not trying to do it out of like a fat phobic thing this is right. just this like, is just like lucas is the manifestation of like this abusive i'm gonna i'm gonna argue that this is still well, it's ableist potentially well exactly i was gonna say the problem is is that uh, first of all any kind of rape story is bad i mean well i mean, I mean well, it depends I, I wouldn't say it's bad i mean like uh, we've talked about this a lot on the show and i've talked about my personal experiences with the salt right but the thing is that the show 
keeps on doing it in a way where it's like, okay, the first time they were like, this guy is fat, so he's going to assault Gene. And this guy... Right, like he's a monster. This next guy, you know, he's got a, like some schizophrenic thing going on. And because he's mentally ill, he's also going to fuck Gene. And it's like, mm-hmm. mm, I don't... That's not how this works. I mean, yes, it is possible that somebody who is assaulting people does have like a mental illness. Sometimes people are just assholes. You know, like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like I mean, how like it goes. Sometimes it doesn't have anything to do with. Yeah, I, I and mean. That, and I think it's a hard line to walk. I mean, Todd was talking about this a little bit with Kate Bishop and her actual story in the comic books where she was assaulted as a child, which made her want to then become an Avenger. Mm-hmm. And that's like what inspired her. And he's like, you know, I don't like, like where's the line of like that being a good plot beat so she could also relate to jessica jones later on right but also be like why does that also have to be the motivation it's a tight rope to walk and it's like i don't know what the right answer is but i'm pointing out this is for like 2003 politics so mm-hmm. i mean i don't i don't know that this i mean to be fair the episode isn't depicting assault in that way like it it, it is merely it is merely implying it strongly like for example gene <laughs> i mean that's still basically saying it if it's merely implied well, strongly it's not it's not implying it in the sense that like gene's lying on a bed wearing lingerie like it's not like you know it could be a lot that's true more sexual than it than it's depicted here instead this is more just um like a power dynamic that's scary and it shows that lucas gets his way i mean that's kind of what this next set of dialogue is which is that gene sees lucas who uses his powers to remove at least her wrist cuffs and she's like who are you and then he takes off her her ankle restraints and he's like somebody like you i'm a mutant my friends call me lucas and she's like uh okay, whatever, you made a big mistake kidnapping me. And she starts walking away. And he's like, come on, the fun's just starting. And then starts using, she uses her telekinesis on him and then he starts throwing her around and she can't um, overpower him, which is scary because we have already seen by this point that Gene is quite powerful. So it is scary that this guy that we've never seen before is capable of flinging Gene around. And uh, by the way, people are just watching this and they're like, yeah, it seems normal. Yeah, they're watching in silence and like they have sort of accepted that this is the reality that they live in. And he explains that by saying people come here and they never want to leave. I think you'd like it here too, Gene. Stay, please. Which suggests like he's physically threatening people like he doesn't have mind control powers that's not no he does i think he does Does i think he can can yeah i think that's what he does later on is that he's controlling people's minds but i'm not saying that he's controlling everybody's minds here he doesn't do that to gene for what it's worth but i don't think he could because gene's strong enough to deflect that much at least that's my theory but however i do like the read where it's like these people are just really scared or like they're just totally enamored with him like it's already been stated by three separate people that they want to fuck lucas and that's why they're there Mm -hmm. but it's also like do they really or are they in sort of like a wandavision scenario where like they don't know what's real anymore you know that's true that's true and how how much awareness do they have we don't know i mean again these are questions that aren't answered by the episode it's also like a a bunch of goth kids (laughs) at one place and i remember when all of us hung out as goth kids that there was so much drama that would happen at a party with all of us and yet we all stayed. But it, we but never it, left the party. It, I mean, it's also true, though, that like that's the time in our lives when we were most vulnerable to being taken advantage of by some of the worst people we've ever met. So like, <laughs> OK, fair. It fair. is like these kids are also, you know, transient kids. Maybe some of them are mutants, you know, like they're basically being 
enthralled by this charismatic asshole predatory guy which is lucas i mean it's not david it's, it is too bad that he's also this this like mentally ill mutant character and he's depicted in this way but um yeah i mean that is what the show is depicting him as for better or worse right. well gene says you can't keep me from leaving and lucas says well actually i can and then he kind of like flings her off to the side and starts walking away from her entirely because like he's bored with the interaction and he's like i can do whatever i want but you'll stay because it's the only way you're going to find david and then gene sits up because she's surprised and it's like oh right interesting okay right and so then we go back to storm at gabrielle's mansion and she has been out flying around looking around for David and Jean, or not David, Ian and Jean. She's looking for the little boy version of David. Not that she knows that. Right. And so she meets Xavier, Gabriel, and Scott, who are waiting outside for her out in front of Gabriel's mansion. And Xavier's just like, do you find anything? And Storm's like, no, uh, but I did spot the glow of some fires burning towards some cliffs. And Gabrielle explains that teens just like to party at McFadden Castle. McFadden. And... Yeah, you know. And then Cyclops is like, well, we all know I like to crash parties because I'm a party pooper. So let's go. Bye. And he has a motorcycle. Gets on a motorcycle. I know. I was like, wow, okay. Scott's kind of cool here, though. He gets a bike. Yeah. That's the first we've seen him do that. Yeah. So he just zooms off on a motorcycle. Um, So that's neat. I, I, and then <laughs> Xavier is like, let's find Ian. I believe he knows more than he lets on, which like. Based on nothing. But thanks, Xavier. Okay. Yeah. Again, based on nothing, but whatever. Uh, Cyclops does arrive to the party. He does. Does. a nerd on a motorcycle it's great and he walks in and everyone stares at him they're like who's this nerd yeah. like that's kind of like the energy going on except they're all goth kids and i'm like okay all the goth kids are nerds though like that's how that has always been the grunge goth kids have also been giant fucking nerds but they're wearing different clothes right so it's very different actually and scott hasn't yet transformed fully into a goth that's the natural evolution um so gene sees scott walk in and she grabs him and like pulls him over to a random corner and she's like stay out of sight david's here somewhere and Scott is like, how the fuck are you here right now? And Gene is like, I was following Ian and then Lucas showed up. He's the one who brought me here and he took David and Gene points out Lucas in the crowd, but she doesn't have enough time to explain that he's also like a really powerful mutant because Scott just immediately is like, great, I'm going to kill him and like walks and away. Cyclops is like, time to introduce myself then and stomps on over and Gene's like, didn't you listen to a fucking thing I just said? Like, I said, stay in the corner and out of sight. And the first thing you do is walk into the middle yeah. of the party. And challenge the person whose party it is that I haven't, like, finished giving you information about what his powers are and, like... Right, and Scott comes over and he's like, listen, Dracula. And I was like, oh my god, Scott, what are you doing? Like, this is... Oh, oh my god. Yeah. What's really funny is Lucas is just immediately bored and throws Scott away. Yeah, he, he just, like, flicks him away. Then Lucas throws gene away from scott because gene's been like doing the whole scott <laughs> so scott tries to use his eye beams on lucas and lucas just gets a shield yeah that goes around him he then flings scott around to the wall like 50 times yep. and then he like passes out then gene tries to get into lucas's head lucas then throws her around a bunch of times then scott gets up and then he flings him around a bunch and gene's screaming scott <laughs> Then Gene lifts up Lucas off the ground and Lucas is like, oh, interesting. And then he like lands and then Gene's like, why? And like makes Gene pass out again. Mm -hmm. Then Lucas puts Scott against the wall and metal chains and puts this like weird helmet weird anonymous thing on his head and it looks like a sex dungeon it's kind of like a gimp mask situation where like scott can't see anymore it's really weird and it's also like a public display where scott is like 
displayed to the entire party in this weird chain mask setup. It's I don't it's it's wacky. really it's like a humiliation thing. Then he throws Gene into like this pit that's similar to the one that David is what well, we thought David is in. And then he I don't know I don't even know how he does this, but he manages to close He puts like a huge stone cube on top of the skylight. Right. And he's like, I know what you're thinking, but you're not and Gene's like, not what? And Luke is like Basic Gene, you're strong, but not strong enough to break out of the center of a mountain. And then he leaves. And I know that Gene is going to escape seconds later because she is strong enough. But I feel I've the first time I watched this episode, I thought that was Lucas just not knowing Gene. But I actually argue that he does know this and that his whole point was to trick Gene into escaping so he could be in the room as David moments later. That's my thought. Yeah, although it is risky for him to transform into David because then he doesn't have as much control over when he becomes Lucas again. But it's also like, does he? It seems like Lucas is getting more and more powerful as compared to the other personalities that David was capable of manifesting. Right. So... Regardless, Lucas is the clear bad guy in all of this. So then we go back to Storm, who's driving a car with Xavier in the passenger seat and Gabrielle's in the back, and they're just looking around for Ian. And then they suddenly have to swerve because Ian's just standing in the middle of the road like a fucking creepy (laughs) ghost. And there's a bunch of mist, and it's all like really Silent Hill. Right. And they all get out of the car. And Gabrielle is like, Ian, what are you doing out here? And of course, he's silent because he he doesn't speak. You know, it's (laughs) possible that you're right about this whole projection thing, because if... Lucas slash David is in the castle with Gene right now. Yeah. And nobody's touching Ian. And like, there's this whole montage we're about to find out where Xavier tries to, he tries to read his mind, but he's like, there's nothing there. Well, yeah. So that's interesting. Like at first Xavier tries to read his mind and he's like, I can't. And I love that because I was like, oh, is it going to be like, he's a projection? Like, I thought that was going to be like the reveal. Like this kid isn't even real. Well, I said, but they didn't, they didn't actually reveal anything. Although I do like that Xavier like jumps out of the car. He's like, it's okay, Ian. We just want some information. Let me just go into your head real quick without your permission. Doesn't even wait at all. He instantly tries to read this child's mind. So then he tries again to read Ian's mind and basically like tries harder and it works. But this time, instead of seeing Ian's thoughts, I think what he sees are... Um, Lucas's thoughts or maybe David's thoughts because what he sees is McFadden Castle then Ian runs away and Gabrielle shouts Ian and then Ian turns around and he suddenly looks like devil child angry like it's just sudden anger in his eyes and he creates this huge wall of fire to like block them from following him yeah and this is the big reveal for Gabrielle she just says he's a mutant right and she doesn't actually say anything negative she just is like he's a mutant and Xavier's line he says Yes, and worse, I'm afraid his loyalties are with David's abductor, which I thought was weird because the only reason you would say worse would be if being a mutant was bad, but that's Xavier saying that. And I was like, damn, dude, like got a little internalized mutant phobia. Yeah, I, don't, like, I don't know what's you know going what I mean? on with Xavier. Like, it's almost as though Xavier's assuming that Gabrielle thinks it's bad and he's just leapfrogging on top of that. I just thought it was interesting writing. I don't know that it was intended. He's been doing that since the scene where he was like, you always hated mutants. Just admit it. Yeah. And she's like, I literally never said that. (laughs) (laughs) It's so weird. She's like, I mean, it was clear that she knew about his powers and still dated him anyway. And she's like, yeah, the She's like, the reason why I left you isn't because you were mute. It's because you were a fucking piece of shit. Also, That's like, why. she had his child. Like, she must have... I mean, she knows from the fact that he's a geneticist that mutant powers are genetic. Like, that's the whole point of his studies that she was obviously right. familiar with. So, like, clearly there was a chance that she would have a mutant child, a pretty high one. Right. Since most, most children of mutants are mutants. So, like, she chose to have a child. Like, I don't know. I don't... I just... 
justice for Gabrielle. That's what I'm saying here. Like justice for Gabrielle. I was gonna say I don't feel like Gabrielle is upset about mutants existing. No. I think that's just Xavier trying to like do that thing that sometimes say I'm a gay guy that goes up to somebody that's straight and I'm like, you just hate the gays because we're gay just to start a fight. Like that's what Xavier is doing. He's very defensive. Yeah. And it's, it's sad to see because it's like you could have had a different relationship with this person. Even though she is his ex-wife, like he still could have established a different way to reinteract with her that he just is choosing not to, but whatever we go back to Jean in her cell. She's trying to use her powers to break out. And all she manages to do is break the wall next to her where yep. David conveniently is located. That's why I think this was on purpose. I know, I know. I get what you're saying. I just, I don't know. I I mean, again, it's like things we don't fully understand about Lucas and David and like... Or how their powers were. How much could Lucas have planned all of this? Is David actually also in on all of it? You know, like there's just so much we don't know. This show only portrays three personalities, yes. but... David Haller has like 65 personalities in him. So mm-hmm. at least and there are at plenty least. of plenty of portrayals of him where he's a more manipulative character. Whereas here, David is at least in this episode depicted as like the nice one, right. you know, like the innocent one. So um, Gene comes in and David's like, who are you? And Gene's like a friend of your father's. And David is like, you mean he actually came? And she's like, yes, but now we have to get you out of here. And then she like looks around. She sees the grave. Okay, this is awesome. She like blows apart the ceiling with her powers. Yeah. And lifts David out with her. She's she's a total badass. I love it. And she's like, so how do we get out of this castle? And David's like, well, I did once, but it was kind of by accident. Let's just go till we hear music. And then Jean is like, oh, if I could just get a signal to your dad. And David is like, yeah, whatever. He doesn't give a shit about me. And Gene is like, no, you, you got him all wrong. He's a good man. You just don't know him. I think you got it wrong, Gene. And David goes, and whose fault is that? Which is like, he thinks it's his father's fault. Right. And then Gene is like, well, I'm afraid it was your mother's. She never told him about you. And David's like, Lucas said he was one of the most powerful telepaths in the world. How could he not know about me? Which is like, kind of fair. <laughs> it's also kind of, I mean, those two big reveals there, one being that... David and Lucas know each other, first of all. Right. Yeah. In that David is on Lucas's side about that. At least one thing, yes. That they right. agree that it's messed up that Xavier hasn't contacted them. Yeah, and the other thing being that, like, he knows, he's like, Xavier's really powerful. Wouldn't he be able to sense me? Because I know that I'm powerful. Mm-hmm. Or at least that Lucas is. And he maybe David on some level knows Lucas is also. I mean, it's like, how how perceptive is he? We don't really know. Um, And so Gene goes, what do you mean? Lucas knows about the professor. And David says, that's what this is all about. He wants to go brain to brain with the great Charles Xavier. And then Gene kind of looks like worried and mad for a second. And then they both hear the music and they're like, oh, great. We're almost out. And they like run, run down the hallway towards the music. Right. And then we get to Xavier arriving at the rave looking so judgy. And it's just like a funny shot of him rolling in, like looking old as hell. It's Xavier. <laughs> Storm and, and Gabrielle are like falling close behind. And they go past all the punk kids who are like, why are adults here? And then they just see Scott change the wall. And Xavier's like, Scott. And they like rush <laughs> over and unchain him and all the punk kids ignore this which also feels like something that they would do and they just be like yeah whatever we don't really care and then aurora's like are you okay and scott's like i think so but gene oh my god <laughs> it's like those two so ridiculous <laughs> saying each other's names and xavier's like don't worry 
I sense she is near, even though I haven't sensed like anything else ever. I'm sensing now that Jean is nearby. And then Jean and David burst out of a nearby door very conveniently. Jean and Scott make out for 10 years. Gabrielle walks up to her son, David, and she's like, are you okay? And he's like, no, I'm fine, mom. Thanks to Jean. And then he like glares at Xavier, which I also thought was kind of valid. Like Jean was the one that saved him. I thought so too. Gabrielle's like, David, I want you to uh, meet this guy. <laughs> she really does pause for a long time. Like, it's really funny. And David's like, father. And then instantly David goes to shake Xavier's hand and Xavier smiles. And then David turns into Ian and a circle of fire surrounds him. And then Jean's like, Ian, what What the fuck? You're David? And yeah. then Ian turns into Lucas. And now Lucas is like, sometimes, sometimes not very vexing, actually. But now here I am. And I would like a little quality time with my dad. He just flings everybody out of the ring of fire. Yeah, except him and Xavier who are in the middle of the like dance right. circle. Right, and everybody's about to jump in. And Xavier goes, don't worry. I can handle this. And yeah. it's like, oh no, we know how this goes, Xavier. <laughs> and then Lucas is like, you were always so busy taking care of other people's freaks that you never had any time for your own. Well, take a good look, Professor. I hope you're proud. You made me what I am today. And then he just Yeah, like, which is an interesting line. Like, this is part of why is. I'm like, this feels like an episode that's commenting on the fact that Xavier was abusive, you know? Like, and not saying right. that like Lucas is right. You know, and it's also sort of disputed as to like sometimes abuse begets abusive people, but not every time. It's like weird. Right. Like there's all different kinds of people in the world. But also like, I mean, Xavier wasn't like part of his life to be abusive. Like we don't really right. know what's happening. But I do think that Lucas has a solid point that he sees Xavier on TV yeah. every day. And he knows that Xavier has cerebro because he could probably sense it. And he knows Xavier's rich and powerful and he's always taking in other mutants. And he probably in his heart is like, well, why doesn't he love me? Like, I don't know. I feel like you can't come up with a good explanation for that. And no, and I, I mean, I, this is where there's plot holes and we're like, okay, right. so why didn't Xavier ever sense him? Could Legion block that? We don't really know. Mm -hmm. So then Lucas like rips apart the castle and just spins it around and smashes it into each other. And then Lucas turns it to David and he's like, dad, get out of here. You don't understand. He's after you and he's going to come back. And Xavier's like, listen, David, Lucas and Ian, they are a small part of who you are, so you can take control of them like I do with my <laughs> mind. And David's like, no, I can't stop them. And Xavier's like, I can help you by deleting them out of your brain. Oh, my God. <laughs> that li like that literally is what he does, though. Oh, my God. And similarly to how it goes in X-Men, the animated series, whenever he did that shit, like, remember he was trying to delete shit out of Sabretooth's brain and it just turned into, like, weird snakes and shit? Yeah, and deleting stuff out of, like, Rogue's mind and, like, Jean's mind. Like, he's constantly deleting stuff and it never works and it never helps anyone and this is yet another episode where that okay, happens. Okay, that episode with Rogue and Carol Danvers in yep. her brain and she couldn't control it anymore because Xavier had quote-unquote helped her but really just deleted some stuff and moved things around it didn't do anything and so she was losing her mind and Jean's like well let me give it a try and Jean was able to like fix it in a second and she was like yeah I don't know Xavier put them in a cage and I just kind of like let it loose and let you guys like figure it out pacify each other yeah, yeah like, <laughs> like because you can't just delete things the other thing about this part of the episode that is so upsetting in my opinion is that Xavier has only talked to David for like two seconds total and he's already deleting stuff like immediately not only is he going into his brain he's deleting entire personalities that threaten him the, right and also also, he doesn't know how many personalities David has in there. He's just like, I'm just going to go and erase shit. He spent no time studying. Like, he should be spending 
time with David, but instead he's just like, well, these two look dangerous because they attacked me. So I'm going to delete them. <laughs> and it's like, okay, dude, like how about you pacify them first or like talk to them or like find out what's going or do on. Anything. No, it, instead we get this like crazy ass Kingdom Hearts meets Legend of Zelda shit where like <laughs> Xavier and David are reaching out their hands to each other on the astral plane while shit like floats around them and there's a big orb that's mm-hmm. sucking utada hikaru is playing simple yeah, and clean is playing and like <laughs> sucking these orbs are sucking in when and you Lucas... walk away you don't hear me uh, say yeah. please <laughs> daddy don't go <laughs> Okay, so then he encases both of them in, like, these huge Dragon Ball spheres, and, like, um, he thinks that he's deleting Lucas and Ian. And he does delete both of those two personalities completely. I mean, I it's not clear that Xavier's doing anything useful at all in there. I mean, to be honest with you, it just looks like a giant orbers e- eating everybody. <laughs> like Pac-Man's just in David's brain eating everyone and Xavier's just floating there. Yeah, like the Dragon Ball sphere is eating everybody and Xavier is, is just like wreaking right. havoc inside of David's brain. <laughs> yeah, because then they go back to the real world and Xavier is like... Okay, how you doing? And then David turns it to Lucas, and Xavier's like, <laughs> "Where's <"Wait>, David?" <laughs> I know. And Lucas is like, "Uh, you deleted him, dude, along with Ian." And Gabriel, okay, oh, she's just like, "What the fuck did you do?" <laughs> What the fuck did you do now? And like before Lucas blips away like Team Rocket in the in the sky, which he does do. He blasts yeah, off. Yeah, he does do that. Um, he's like. This is exactly what I wanted you to do. You were the only one strong enough, old man. The only one strong enough to get rid of the others. And you did it. You set me free. And it's like, why? And then he turns into a rocket ship and blows off into space. And Gabrielle is just sobbing because Xavier essentially killed her child in front of her. Like, that's basically what just happened. Like, Xavier arrived here, deleted her child in seconds of meeting him. Within seconds of meeting David, he deleted him from existence. Like, Gabriel's like, I should have seen this coming. Like, that's kind of the energy she's got here. It's so upsetting. Like, what the heck? Yeah, and then they just all leave. Like, I was like, I can't believe they all just leave Gabrielle there by herself. To be fair, she probably ordered them to leave because I would have. I would have been like, get the fuck out. Like, I never (laughs) want to see you again in my life. I'm getting that restraining order that I already had against you, like, re-upped based on this visit, and I'm never (laughs) seeing you again. So, like, the X-Jet lands, and, like, everybody walks out silently back to the X-Mansion, and Beast walks in, and he's like, oh, hey, everybody, and Xavier just, like, ignores him and is like, I'm emo now because I killed a child. And it's like, why? Oh my god! And what? then you know, Jean's like, "Uh, so how's Kitty and Kurt?" And Beast is like, "Oh, they slept the whole thing. They should be better now." And then it cuts back after this <laughs> insane scene where Kurt he like teleports them back into the bedroom. And yes, Kurt wakes up in his bed and he's like, "Oh wow, I feel one hundred percent better." And also, <laughs> I had the craziest dream that we were in public in our pajamas. And then he looks over at Kitty, who's like covered in mud, wet and covered in mud and branches and leaves. And then she's like screaming. And she just turns around and Kurt's like, what? And Kitty's like, fuck you! (laughs) And Kurt is like, I don't know why you're so mad at me. And she's like, I 
can't talk to you right now like it's just like that's <laughs> the end of the scene it's so i mean it's so kitty it's and funny kurt, but it's also like really weird juxtaposition of like kitty being legitimately mad at kurt who doesn't understand why everyone's mad and like the whole xavier plot line which is like also xavier being like i've never done anything wrong in my life why is why, everyone why so is mad, everybody at mad at me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which like i guess that is related like the sense that like sometimes you accidentally use your powers in a way that really hurts people yeah but then we get this final scene though that is yeah. like I fucking even uh, this scene actually kind of annoyed me. So it's like yeah. it's Xavier and Aurora on <laughs> oh Xavier's but like why Storm? Finally <laughs> put Storm in this episode to like <sighs> so, I mean it cause it's cause Storm's the only compassionate character I really. Know, but but I just don't like how they write her at this point where she's always sympathetic to Xavier. No, I, I don't also don't like how they write this line. Xavier's like Me either. Do you know what the tragic part is, Storm? I lost him before I even found him. And I was like, oh, I don't even it's know like, what you're dude, saying. You Xavier. killed him right after you met him. Is that what you meant to say? <laughs> this is like a real D2 scenario where like Robbie like <laughs> killing, killing Atomica, Atomica and then coming back. I mean, like, where's Atomica? What's up, guys? <laughs> And then Aurora's like, don't lose hope, Charles. Someday he'll find his way and you'll be there for him like you are for all of us. And I was like, mm, I don't know about any of that storm, but that was a nice try. <laughs> I wrote, I don't know. It seemed like Lucas really fucking hated Charles, but okay, storm. <laughs> like, that was the last sentence of my notes. <laughs> oh, like, honestly, I God. don't see Lucas coming back around and being like, hey, Charles, like, you're still kind of my dad. Let's, like, get together. Okay, but, but wait, like, hold on. What if Lucas came back as David and even David would be like, uh, you tried to delete me out of my own brain, dude. <laughs> like, I feel like David has the right to be mad at Xavier for the rest of all eternity now because, <laughs> like, Charles met him for two seconds, was immediately duped by Lucas, and deleted David, like, within <laughs> moments. And it's like, how are we supposed to feel about this? I don't know. I mean, I feel like after talking it out, I'm, like, not sure how to rate the episode anymore. I did really <laughs> like it when I watched it. Like, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, like, interesting and like had some really fascinating scenes and like made me feel like it was an interesting portrayal um of like this villainous character that I, I don't know I liked the idea but I don't know how to score it because I'm like it's also absurd like I, I don't think it makes sense you know what I mean like there's plot holes like it's kind of ableist like it has problems but yeah I think it's like I, I will give it a solid three out of five X's because it is a good and interesting episode to watch mm -hmm. but for all the reasons you just listed where it's kind of like okay Okay, but there's a lot of plot holes. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. The Kitty Kurt thing, like, I kind of like the thing I just invented at the end here about, like, how your powers can hurt people, but I don't really feel like it was done well. You know what I mean? Like, no, I, it, don't, I, I agree. And I also feel like it didn't need to have all this weird, like, assaulty shit going on, like, consistently through this. And I was like, I feel like this is a little much. Yeah, I feel like it'd be better if, if instead of having Lucas be that villainous, if instead he was actually legitimately charismatic and, like, wasn't brainwashing people. Because that would be a lot more complicated and interesting. No, you know I what agree. I mean? Like, if he was more of, like, a magnificent Magneto-esque character where he was like, you know, upsetting the power and like, you know, changing things around like for the better. I think you hit it on the nose when you said it's like an M. Night Shyamalan situation yes. where it's just like, yes. like it makes no fucking sense. And you're like, it's okay. just for the sake of a twist above everything else. And here's a twist, but the twist also doesn't make sense. It's also two twists because there's the first twist that David has um, multiple personalities. And then the second twist is that accidentally Xavier killed David and Ian instead of Lucas like he wanted to. And it's like, right. Do we need this? Like, this is so silly. I, I, yeah. I, like, I, it's fun because I really enjoyed watching it but I'm also like embarrassed to admit how much I enjoyed it because I feel like I fell for the exact twists you know what I mean like it is 
corny <laughs> but like there's something to be said okay. for that i feel like the first time i watched it i didn't know what was happening either because i was really confused as to who all these characters was and who were and i at the time when i watched it i was like wait why are i thought that lucas was going to be legion and then david haller was going to be separate from that for some reason i'm like this isn't how it goes in the comics but then they did merge it so it did manage to surprise me too and i think that does work and it's benefit for this episode but i can't say it's because like the surprise is well woven into the right actual episode i feel like it's a surprise because they didn't make any sense with it and that's why it's like yeah. an m night Shyamalan film where it's like did you know that the twist is that the twist is a surprise that we didn't lead up to because we didn't give you any information on yeah, it Yeah, it's like there's no foreshadowing yeah and it's also like it doesn't make any sense that like the characters can appear at different places than one another so there's no way you could have ever guessed that it's not like fight club or something where like there are clues and like there's ways that you could guess the twist you know like instead you're just like well wait how was ian in the middle of the road that one time and like how did david like find him and like bring him home? like what is happening and like yeah how how powerful is he as a person although i will say if they wanted somebody to do like an mcu adaption of legion like in a tv show or a movie i do think david fincher would be a good candidate for this they should make him way more goblin king and not as scary as he is in this though they should have him be right. like a little bit more like sexy interesting as opposed and yeah. like tempting like a tempting devil character because i feel like that's right. more fun and also it's it's kind of fun to root against xavier like it just is you know speaking of which should we talk about legion a little bit more <laughs> oh we should all right so it's been a while guys so let's get ready who's Well, Maddie already gave it away. It's I know. Legion. It's Legion. I feel like the next two episodes we actually have, we're back to having character spotlights again. Mm-hmm. Hooray. Okay, well, so we had real one name. last time. We had Viper last time. But anyway, go on. We did. We did. But that was short. And this is like theoretically short, but it won't be. I, but I think it's important that I talk about this because I thought his comic book history is a lot more fascinating than what this show did. So his real name is David Charles. David Charles. However. <laughs> First wow. appearance, New Mutants, number 25 in 1985, created by none other than the famous Chris Claremont and Bill Shinkevitz, originally created to be part of the new X-Factor, but the editor, Bob Harris, came to the conclusion that Legion didn't fit the series because they were like, why would he join this team when he should stay on Weir Island because he's totally out of control? Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I kind of like the idea if they had let him be on X-Factor. Anyway, so while working in an Israeli psychiatric facility... Xavier met a patient named Gabrielle Haller. Okay, this makes it way more fucked up that he was like her doctor. Yeah. But, um, they fucked and unknown to Xavier, Gabrielle gave birth to David. When David was at a young age, this is sort of what I feel like is not explained in this episode. He lived in Paris with Gabrielle and his stepfather and they were attacked by a terrorist and his stepfather was killed. The trauma of the situation caused an initial manifestation of David's mutant powers, and David incinerated the mind of the terrorists. He also unintentionally absorbed the mind of the terrorist leader, Karami, into his own. So I feel like if any of that was in this episode in some way, like I feel like it would have made a lot more sense. Yeah. David was then rendered catatonic, and he slowly recovered and was moved into the care of Moira McTaggart, our favorite mm -hmm. mutant-loving human who is not a mutant. Totally not. Definitely not. Uh, but I guess arguably she is now. The trauma had caused David's psyche to splinter into multiple personalities, each manifesting different mutant abilities. Karami's personality manifested telepathic abilities and struggled to separate his consciousness from David's mind. 
In the process, he reintegrated many of the splintered personalities back in David's core personality, except for a couple like the adventurer Jack Wayne and the pyrokinetic girl Cindy, who I think is supposed to be sort of the Ian stand-in in this. That's my theory. I could see that since Ian has fire powers in this. Right, exactly. And I definitely feel as if Karami is the character that Lucas is supposed to be and they kind of merged him with the Lucas character that I read upon reading the Wikipedia entry this episode. Uh, and these three existed as David's three prominent personalities. So I think that actually checks out with what we saw. Ish. I mean, they're totally different characters and names, but but the fact that he had three prominent personalities in the first place and... Well, but I think they had the same roles. Like, there was one role that was, like, trying to take over the other ones, and then there was, like, a little girl that was pyrokinetic. That, that mm-hmm. I believe. Those are similar enough that I can see the through line, yeah. Right. Um, during his time on Muir Island, David saved Moira and Wolf Spain from a fatal accident by accessing the telekinetic abilities of jack wayne this allowed jack to take control of david and he left the island which i think they actually borrowed and put into that proteus episode the new mutants tracked him down and convinced jack to let david take control there's a lot of crossover with the new mutants which is kind of why i think they put him in the shows because they had the new mutants on this show Mm -hmm. not that they're really in this episode much but they are on the show david was then possessed by the shadow king famously known from the legion tv show Mm -hmm. and while under the shadow king's influence david killed destiny and destroyed most of weir island which i find fascinating now that destiny is back Mm -hmm. the first time since this incident the x-men and the x-factor helped defeat the shadow king and david was left in a coma by the way go read those comics because like when the x-men show up like the shadow king has made everybody dress in like hot sexy dominatrix outfits including moira <laughs> mctaggart yeah. and it's like she wears that little black leotard thing it's yeah. very silly it's you know it's also a great story i highly recommend finding those um david awoke from his coma years later believing his psyche was healed when he killed destiny he absorbed part of her psyche destiny gave david vague prophetic guidance about the great world that could exist if xavier had been given the real chance to fulfill his dream but in the past okay so this is going to be a whole nother episode from the animated series this all of david's fucking bio explains so much of the animated series on so many ways it does Uh, so david then went back in time to kill xavier's adversary magneto he accidentally dragged the x X x-men with him because they were trying to stop him Legion attacked Magneto, but the X-Men intervened until they were overpowered by him. When Legion got ready to make the final blow to Magneto, Xavier jumped in front of him and died. And by accidentally killing his father, David was horrified and was preventing his own birth. The death of Xavier created the alternate timeline, Age of Apocalypse. And this is important to note because Bishop managed to to fix the timeline by enlisting the help of the New Realities X-Men to travel back in time the moment of Xavier's murder, which is exactly what happens in that episode with the fucking electronic fuse when he gets like Mohawk Storm yeah, and Logan yeah. from that that future to go back in time. Mm-hmm. And Bishop confronted Legion and used David's power against him. And David allowed the energy released on him to incinerate himself using his last moments to apologize for what he had done. That is where they absolutely borrowed all that story from in that whole thing where they were going the days. It was, I don't know if it was it's Days, not of, days future of Future Past. past. It was called something else. Like, you it know, was like Time Crisis. Back story. in Timey Wimey Land. It was just called <laughs> yeah. some other silly thing. And Legion wasn't even part of it. It was like some other random no, characters. No, but they, they clearly borrowed a lot of oh, Legion yeah. stories and filtered it into both X Men, the animated series, and X Men Evolution. Yep. Um, because every single plot point like reminds me of one of the episodes we've already seen. Which I feel like is probably why they wanted to introduce Legion because they were assuming the show would continue. So they were like, it might be useful if we just have Legion Had here, him. you right. know? Right. 
Um, while David was considered deceased, some of his alternate personalities manifested as spirits and terrorized Israel where David had been born. Excalibur was called to stop them, and Megan used her empathy to calm their rage, convincing them all to go towards the light. David had not actually died and is manifested in other place, a timeless interdimensional limbo. When Bishop had unleashed his power back onto David, it undid the healing factors of Karami and Professor Xavier on David's mental landscape. David now had thousands of personalities trying to gain control of his mind, and David wandered through the other place trying to make his way home. Magic reached out and contacted one of David's personalities, Legion, who could alter reality on a cosmic scale. Magic offered to guide Legion back to his home dimension, provided Legion would help her destroy her nemesis, the Elder Gods, which comes up later. So David re-manifests into the physical world, although his mind was imprisoned by the more malicious personalities that were in control. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of putting it back to where it was in this episode. One of these personalities killed and absorbed the mind of a young girl, Marcy Sobel, who became another personality in David's head. The new mutants discovered David in Westcliff, Colorado. David absorbed karma and magic into his mind as the remaining new mutants fought a battle against various personalities taking over David's body. In his mindscape, Karma and Magic destroyed the other hostile personalities. They found Marcy, the little girl, which led them to David's imprisoned core self. And by freeing David, Karma and Magic were restored to their bodies. And then David was put into the care of Xavier, Doctor Nemesis, Danger, and Rogue. I feel like that is what we saw in this episode, but I'm 90% certain that plot line came out later. Mm. So I think this plot line actually borrowed from this episode. Could have. Well, because Magic is back and she came back in like the 2010s. So... Uh, Magic then managed to bring the Elder Gods back to Earth, planning her revenge on them. The Elder Gods created catastrophic destruction across Earth, and Magic sent Karma to free the Legion personality, who wiped out the Elder Gods from existence and reset the world to a time before they had even come there. After this, David's core personality returned, and he was taken back to the care and treatment of the X-Men. Dr. Nemesis believed that David's psyche would be healed if his alternate personalities were quarantined. So David's mind perceived this intervention as a threat and created a psychic antibody, a new powerful personality to defend itself. This personality had a degree of the ability to alter space and time. This is the one that actually has like the Wanda powers. And it also took the appearance of Moira McTaggart to protect Legion from the assault because she had been a mother figure to him and created a pocket reality where Legion was the hero and he had always wanted to be. And many of the X-Men were brought into this reality, which existed, existed separate from Marvel's primary continuity. This was called Age of X, a dystopia where mutants had been hunted to almost extinction and the remaining mutants were kept alive by Legion's team. Legion was unaware that one of his personalities had created this world and everyone's memories had been altered and deleted like mutant vision <laughs> yeah basically i mean this is a whole wanda scenario happening it is eventually the alternate version of rogue whose name was legacy discovered that the moria personality had created the reality and legion spoke to the moria personality and absorbed her back into himself erasing the age of x reality after the age of x incident xavier proposed the idea of legion learning how to coexist with the personalities instead of deleting them which had been his previous tactic wow very progressive for xavier to suggest such a thing right so dr nemesis madison jeffries and reed richards developed this thing called the neural switchboard wristband for david which assigned unique numbers to each of his personalities you can just like push a button to go to them Mm -hmm. and this allowed david to access the power without being overwhelmed by their personalities and during this time david discovered that six of his personalities had escaped and manifested into the real world so this kind of proves your theory maddie a little bit yeah i thought he was able to do that um with the help of the x-men legion was able to track them all down and reabsorb their personas 
He also accidentally absorbed Rogue along with it, and after releasing her, suffered a massive shock to his nervous system. And Rogue said that while she was in Legion, she was connected to thousands of types of powers, and more were being born all the time, which mm. is kind of terrifying. It is. To aid in David's recovery... Xavier left him with Mirza the Mystic in the Himalayan Monastery, which allowed David to like kind of meditate, gain more control, and stop using the neural switchboard on his on his wristband. And under Mirza's tutelage, David learned how to visualize a facility in his head where he contained the personalities. Now, this just sounds like Legion, the TV show. It kind of does. It sounds pretty cool, though. While he was at the monastery, Xavier was killed. Uh, this is when Xavier died for a little while before he's unfortunately bought, brought back to life. Uh, when David sensed this, the mental shock caused a catastrophic release of energy that killed Mirza and everyone in the monastery. He also subconsciously created a new personality known as the Fiend. This personality was able to kill the other personalities in his mind, absorbing their powers in the process. David then decided to erase himself from existence. David's attempt to erase himself failed. When he reappeared, his mind was once again fragmented into many personalities, including a new malicious personality known as Lord Trauma. <laughs> I feel like this is the most on-the-nose uh, character that or personality that's been in his head. Lord Trauma aimed to take over David's mind and body by absorbing all the other personalities. In an attempt to save himself, David sought out the psychotherapist Hannah Jones to go into his mind and take on the Dirk personality. She helped him defeat Lord Trauma, but... She remained in David's psyche and leaving her body in a coma. And David was able to place her actual psyche into a dream state where she like was living her biggest dreams in her life. And that's the life that she was living. Mm. Um, during X-Men disassembled, the Magix duplicates were springing up everywhere and wrecking havoc. And they all had these different powers. David arrived to the X-Mansion seemingly in control of his powers and psyche. Gene and Betsy found the Magix, you know, multiple man prime who said that Legion had imprisoned him and explained that he had implanted numerous personalities and powers into the Magix duplicates. With his control broken, David went berserk in the mansion and ranting about a vision of the future that he was trying to prevent by doing this, which was the Horseman of Salvation coming. This is when Nate Gray and the whole apocalypse creating the the Horseman that had the blob in it mm -hmm. happened right before Nate Gray took all the mutants and put them in the fake world and Age of X-Men. Right. And after Krakoa was created, David was captured by Project Orcus, where his brain was being harvested into a device that kept his mind trapped in a hellscape. And Nightcrawler kept on hearing Legion, went out to him, found him, freed David, uh, which included killing him. And David also warns Kurt about the Patrick Man, which is actually later revealed by David to be Onslaught, because Xavier's psyche is like going fucking crazy again. And he basically was like, watch out for that. That's who this is. Xavier is like, you know, in the Krakoa and eggs where everybody's hatching out of them. So David hatches, but Xavier has to upload their minds into their bodies in order to like make that work. And Xavier refuses. He says that David's way too out of control and that he can't do it because he's going to be too dangerous if he does that. And which David just wakes up and he's like, fine, I'll do it myself then. And he like manages <laughs> to do it. Yeah. And everyone's like shocked. And Xavier's like, David's like, yeah, I don't really trust you, but I trust Nightcrawler. So I'm going to support whatever he's doing. So <laughs> adorable. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, as you all know, Legion had a three-season live-action series that we will eventually watch on this sh this podcast featuring Dan Stevens as David Haller. Yeah, Dan Stevens did a great job on that show. I was going to say, I think it's entirely possible they could weave him into the MCU because technically that entire show wound up being like in his own brain. Well. Um, so that's it. That's Legion, everyone. That's Legion. Um, I guess we have to talk about who's gay also. The end.
this episode um i don't know if that's gonna happen in this episode i don't think <laughs> just against it full stop all right well i'll just give a shout out to the moment where scott says that he's keeping secrets been clearly the secret is that he's gay and he's sleeping with kurt because i thought that line was funny and it's like oh. the only line the episode that could imply something <laughs> like that also the two guys who have a crush on um lucas and maybe they were doing it against their will maybe not we can't really say for sure that's it uh i don't know i feel like this this is not a gay episode in it's fact, a pretty straight episode it's a lot of scott and gene it's like xavier turning out to be straight against all odds and having a child <laughs> it's like what what is that um kurt and kitty obviously they're not dating but like you know they don't get to interact with their regular boyfriend and girlfriend pairings rogue is still mia logan is mia yeah i mean it's pretty straight up yeah sigh so, you know what it's fine we can have we can have like one straight up out of the 12 that we get per season that's true all right so this has been an episode um next week we're gonna watch an episode called uprising and i think we're gonna like it because this <gasps> is the episode where spike comes back oh this is another dark episode yeah that's the one where fucking um gene's ex what's his name oh duncan duncan is basically given weapons by Oof. i don't remember who it's it's basically not a good idea be, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was a going to be a lead up to him joining the friends of humanity and they just didn't get yeah, there i could see that for him like getting recruited by um a future senator kelly oh yeah because he, he already got recruited by principal kelly to beat up mutants at school if i recall correctly i mean that's a, that's what happens you get these these like high-tech weapons and they're like can you just go in the sewers and kill the Morlocks? That's the plot of the episode. Wow. Yeah. Sounds intense. In the in the thumbnail, though, Spike looks super badass. So it's, it's a great episode for him. It's yeah. a really great episode. I'm excited episode. for him to come back. Um, even though, again, we've only got a few episodes left in season four. I know. We only have I know. five left. This is sad. I know. And the last two are gonna be rough. But hey, these next three are going to be awesome because after this one, we have Cajun Spice, which is the Gambit Rogue app. And then we have um, Ghost of a Chance, which is, which Kitty, is Kitty hooking up with Danny Moonstar in a cave. It's going to be great. And the cave's not being their vagina. It's an actual We're going cave. Out. <laughs> We're going out with a bang. Um, yeah, so, I'll say. <laughs> so uh, MutantAges.com. It's a cool site. It's a cool website. Yeah, you should. You know what you can find on there? You know what you can do at the MutantAges.com? What? What can you do, Maddie? Well, you can find our email address, themutantages at gmail.com. You can write in. You can tell us your favorite episode of the show, how you got started on the show. We're soliciting that question still. Yes. Uh, you can find our Discord server, a link to that, um, and, and join up and talk to other people about where you think the MCU should take Legion, whether you think Dan Stevens should play the role or not. Um, you can find our voicemail, one five zero eight. 319-1668 and leave us messages for our listener mail episodes and our P.O. Box, which is P.O. Box 3344, Natick, Massachusetts, 01760 for physical mail of all shapes and sizes. We will accept it and we will celebrate it. Just like dildos. <laughs> yeah. God, no one sent us a dildo yet. That's an yeah, expensive okay, you gift. Those. You don't need to yeah. listen. We're also all set there. Yeah, we are. We, uh, are. we are all set, first of all. <laughs> and second of all, that's expensive. Get it for yourself, you know? 
Love yourselves, yeah. listeners. Love yourself. What else? We have every kind of social media. Um, we're the mutant ages everywhere, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, TikTok, Tumblr, Instagram. Instagram. We got them all. We're individually on all those places. I'm at Mitty Myers. How about you? I am at Ryan Pagella on Twitter and Ryan.Pagella on Instagram. I'm also Ryan Pagella on YouTube. But more importantly, you can go to the Mutant Ages on YouTube and hit that subscribe button please, over there because please, we please, have please. all sorts of fun videos. Most importantly, monthly we do a live stream over there where we're reading the unproduced screenplays of the X-Men, the X-Men movies. I'm just like, of the X-Men, all of them. We need to pick a new date for one of those, by the way. We yeah, will let you know, know as soon as we decide. Absolutely. I don't know what we're going to do, but we have been talking about that Dazzler script treatment quite a bit. So I think that's what's going to happen. We are going to do that sooner or later. Widely requested by Absolutely, our listeners, Absolutely, and the justifiably way. so. So we will definitely be looking over that at some point, probably yeah. next. Um, so that, those are always fun. Right, but there's other things you can watch on there as well, such as us playing the X-Men video games, parody videos that we've made. Uh, we've also referenced D2 multiple times in this episode, which was the X-Men... Oh, yeah. par- one of the two X-Men parody movies we made in high school and then reacted to mm-hmm. on YouTube. Robbie Flake has a split personality. He's more of a Mr. Sinister than a Legion? Well, he is, but also it was not even parodying the X-Men. It was parodying that Batman Beyond movie, Return of the Joker. Although we also did a Fight Club parody in D-Men, not D2. Do you remember that scene where um, Robbie is talking to... That's right, we did. Uh, ...Rouge about... But that's that, that leads to Dr. Devious's existence. Okay, maybe Robbie is Legion. <gasps> oh, it's all connected. What? Age of Demon D3. <laughs> That's what we're going to call it. Rise of the Dark Phoenix and also Age of Demon. Legion versus Phoenix. It's the matchup everybody's been waiting for. Mink, Rye, get ready. Let's go. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, anyway, what? I'm so lost now. What are we talking about? Okay, so <laughs> there's other ways you can support yes. us, though. And how can you do that, Maddie? Well, you could go to our store. You could get a t-shirt. You could get a mug. You could get anything with the Mutant Ages logo, our beautiful new logo that you can see on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> I can't believe how yes. long that took. Um, but also we have Bishop leaping out of the bushes saying time travel is real. That wonderful drawing by Madeline Alterio. We are asking her, can we announce this? Is is this too soon? We can say that there is another catchphrase coming out. And yeah. we are always open to requests, um, by the way. We can't promise that they will happen soon, but we, we are always open to that. Join the Discord. Throw them in our mentions. Um, also, we have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash The Mutant Ages, where you can get bonus episodes. You can get the Hawkeye one that we talked about. You can get us talking about The Suicide Squad or Birds of Prey or Deadpool 2 or like all the Marvel and DC movies and shows that we watch and we don't necessarily talk about on this show because they're nothing to do with the X-Men, but we do Patreon bonus episodes about all of them. And um, we also talked about the Goonies one yeah. time. I don't know. There's a lot of content in there. That's uh, right. But yeah, thanks so much to our Patreon supporters. And we're going to give a shout out to our highest tier Patreon supporters. <laughs> you want to try right. that Scottish I, accent? I, I, <laughs> I, I can't do Scottish. Uh, can you? I, I mean, I don't. No, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> well, shout out to Samuel B, So Mean, Soren B, and Zach Ass. I cannot do a Scottish accent. I'm not going to pretend I can. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But le- listen, all four of you, thank you for being our top tier supporters and being better than Moyer McTaggart. What if all four of them are part of Legion? 
And that's the secret reveal oh. that Legion has created four different Patreon accounts. Okay, but like, <laughs> what is their? What are their powers each? Like, Ooh, are they we would have to these? tell us. They we we don't dictate that. They they manifest their that's own true. powers. So that's I'm just kidding, true. though. They're not all pieces of Legion. They're all their own individual wonderful selves, and we appreciate every one of yes, them. Yes, they are. But thank you so of much. Of course, if you can't financially support us, it's all good. We understand. No one better than us. Please, though, consider leaving us a rating um, wherever you care to, be it Facebook, be it Spotify, be it Apple Podcasts, and even a review. Or you could share the show with your friends and let them know that they should check it out. Uh, We're almost done with X-Men Evolution. So if you know somebody, you want them to watch the show or just listen to a really cool podcast recapping all of it or recapping all of X-Men TAS, we are becoming beefier all the time with our like awesome backlog of analysis so please share it um far and wide yeah absolutely yeah well thank you yeah listeners. and uh next week uprising yeah gonna be great i'm ready for it we'll see you next time see you next time the